Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, uh, worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. My name is Madison, and I'm out here asking people what they believe. What comes to mind when I say the word Bible? Doctrine. Service. Good history book. What do you think of when I say the word Bible? Truth. Religious sect. What comes to mind when I say the word Bible? Divine, divinely written word. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. Welcome to everyone who's right here in the Worship Center on the Modesto campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live right now on the online campus. It's good to be together. It's good to be together. I want to come back to the moment of joy we just had together. You know, uh, talking about the privilege it is to give. Last night, one of the things Pastor Brandon shared was that God didn't ask the world to bring the gift. God asked the body of Christ to bring the gift. And this week was a great week for my family, for my wife and I, because it was a moment when we were able to increase our regular giving. And that's always a great moment for our family. My wife and I have prioritized bringing a gift to the Lord the entire time we've been married. And this week was a moment when we used the uh, online recurring giving feature and this last week was a moment where we were able to increase what our regular giving was. And that's always a moment that I get really thankful for, that God has blessed us and that we're able to now bring a greater gift to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you in that and really invite you in. This is a, a great way to financially contribute to the gospel ministry. And so I would encourage you with regular giving. And if you need help with consistency in that, maybe you would do what my family's doing, and that is use the recurring feature of our online giving. This last week, uh, we sent out to the members of our church a letter regarding Built to Last, which is for raising the funds for the kids and student ministry building. And if you didn't get that letter, please just come out to the lobby uh, there are letters available there. You can get that. You can read that. And as you read that letter, you may have some questions. We're going to bring a whole lot more information about this uh, really in the months to come. Built to Last is going to be in the springtime. We're going to kick that off. But we have team members available today. I'll be in the Welcome Center. Pastor John Frioli's right here. We have leaders in the altar room. And if you may have a question you want to bring, you can bring those questions. And, and I just want to share with you 
why I'm so excited about this. You know, it was in the 80s, I think, that this building was finalized. I think it was in the early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, our east and west wing, and then the venue building. And I was a kid and a teenager during those times. And now this is an opportunity for a next generation of our church really to give sacrificially for kids and students, to invest in kids and students. The tagline for Built to Last is equipping faith that is built to last in a decaying culture. And our kids and students live in a culture that is coming at them to tear them down and to destroy them and to destroy their faith. And I'm really excited that my family is gonna have the opportunity to sacrifice and to give towards future generation of discipling kids and students. And so, more about that to come, but we're really excited, I'm really excited. And I would just say, let's be praying. Let's be praying as we head into this in the months to come. And again, more information will be coming about that. Well, we're in a series called Believe. We're looking at what we believe as a body of Christ, as a church family. If you want to take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be, one of the texts we're going to look at is verse 16 and 17. But before we get into that, I want to share my heart. And I, I shared this last week, and if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to watch the message online, the opener for this series. But my heart for this series, and this is really my heart as a pastor, to care for our church family. My heart for the series is twofold. First, this series is about that we believe in Jesus, and we believe about Jesus. We believe in Jesus, and we believe about Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul gave a warning to the church in Corinth. And his warning was this. If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, here's his warning. You put up with it readily enough. In other words, this church in Corinth People were telling them about a different Jesus and they were accepting it. People were telling them about a different spirit and they were accepting it. People were telling them about a different gospel and they were accepting it. And Paul's like, don't do that. There's one Jesus. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one gospel. There's one truth. And so when we come together in this series, we're coming together that we believe in Jesus and we believe about Jesus. Truth about the one true living Jesus Christ. Also, we believe together as a local body of believers. This is the body of Jesus Christ. We're members of one another, members of the body. In this series, we're coming together to have unity in what we believe together. Paul writes to the Corinthians in his first letter, and he says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of the Bible. Jesus Christ of God's holy word. It's why we've put so much effort into creating this journal. And we sold out of all the ones we initially printed. You can go to the Nook and you can put your name to pre-order. We're, we're ordering more of them. You can also download it online. But we've put significant effort in to this journal to help our church family really walk through what is our core beliefs. And so if you have a journal, we're going to be on page 43. That's where week two begins. And if you want to utilize that, there's a place to take notes during the message. There's a discussions to use in your small group. My family has been using it during mealtime. This is the family Bible that sits in the middle of our dining room table. And our journal sits on top of it. We've been having our kids read the daily devotions and talk about them. And I would just encourage you to use it 
utilize the resource. So in our statement of faith, in our Constitution is our statement of faith, and in Article 10 of our Constitution, we find the statement of faith. And if you're a member at Big Valley Grace Community Church, you signed a document saying you agree with our statement of faith. It's one of the qualifications to become a member is that you have to agree with the doctrine of our church. In Article 10, in our statement of faith, it says this, we believe and accept the following statements as essentials for the unity and practice of the members of, our, of this church. In other words, if we get off track on any of these things, we're gonna have problems. If we get off track on any of these places, these core places of the truth of the word of God, we're gonna have problems. And so with that in mind, let's take a moment to pray before we get into the first one. Father God, Lord, we need your help. And it is essential for the unity and the practice of our church family that we have unity in our faith and we have unity around the truth of the word of God. And Lord, the enemy would like to destroy this moment. The enemy would like to distract all of our thinking, to confuse our thinking, to get us thinking about other things so that we wouldn't focus on the truth of the word of God. And so Lord, I'm thankful that with God's holy word and God's Holy Spirit, the enemy is overcome every time. And so, Lord, would you protect our church family? And would your word be clear? And would your word speak clearly to us that we might have confirmation and unity around the authority of the word of God? And I pray that you would help us in this way. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. amen. So number one, the first statement in our statement of faith, there's 11 of them, we're gonna look at them one a week. The first statement is about the authority of the Bible. The authority of the Bible. And there's two verses that are provided in our Constitution that support it. We're gonna unpack these. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. We're gonna go through those in depth as we go through this. But here is the statement. And this statement is supplied by the Word of God. So the Word of God is instructive for how this statement came to be formed, okay? And here's the statement. We believe the 66 books of Old and New Testament are a complete and final revelation from God without error in the original autographs and sufficient in themselves as our only rule of faith and practice. We believe the 66 books of Old and New Testaments are a complete and final revelation from God without error in the original autographs and sufficient in themselves as our only rule of faith and practice. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna take this statement and we're gonna break it down into five sections and we're gonna walk through each of those five sections and the truth that they teach us about the word of God. So we believe in unity five truths regarding the authority of the Bible. We believe in unity five truths regarding the authority of the Bible and those five truths are gonna be the five parts of the statement. We'll walk through that in just a moment. I wanna read the two passages before we do. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Again, we're gonna unpack these as we go. 
And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, we believe in unity, five truths regarding the authority of the Bible. And these five truths are going to be five statements from our statement of faith. So truth number one, the way our statement of faith starts off in number one, the authority of the Bible, is we believe the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. So that's the first truth we're going to look at. The 66 books of the Old and New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, what we just read, it starts off by saying all Scripture. All scripture. So let's consider, what does that mean? All scripture. Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 13. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. You call me teacher, and you're right, I am. You call me Lord, and you're right, I am. I'm teacher, and I'm Lord. Jesus is teacher, and Lord. And we consider that Jesus is teacher and Lord. What is it that Jesus has taught as teacher and Lord? In the Great Commission, you might be familiar with this phrase. From the Great Commission, Jesus commanded that we're to be teaching disciples to observe all that he has commanded. Teaching disciples to observe all that I have commanded you. So when we consider what is it that Jesus has commanded, I think a physical Bible will be helpful to illustrate this. If you have a physical Bible in your hands, I would encourage you to hold it in your hands right now. I'm going to walk through something, and I would encourage you to walk through it with me, okay? We're going to do something very active with our Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, you're using a digital Bible, I would encourage you to go to the table of contents in your digital Bible. If you don't have a Bible... Don't, you don't need to feel bad right now that you don't have a Bible. We want to give you a Bible. It's our gift to you. Just come to the altar room right after the gathering, and we want to give you a Bible. We want everyone to have a Bible. They're nice Bibles. They're free Bibles. Your church has purchased them for you, okay? So you don't need to feel bad if you don't have a Bible right now. Come afterwards and, and get a Bible. But when we consider this Bible, okay, we consider all that's in this Bible, and this Bible was given to me by my church family here when we dedicated our children. It's the family reading Bible that was given to my family when we dedicated our children, and it sits in the, the middle of our dining room table. When we think about this, the, the Old Testament, okay, so I'm going to flip through my Bible right now, and I'm going to hold in my hand the Old Testament. I'd encourage you to do the same thing with your Bible. You'd take your Bible, and you'd hold the portion of the Old Testament. It's the, you know... First three quarters of your Bible is the Old Testament, okay? So you're going to hold that. What about the Old Testament? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going I'm to lead us through a Bible study right now about what Jesus has said concerning the Scriptures, all Scripture, okay? In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus is talking with two people on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, and it says this, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a walk that would have been with Jesus. As Jesus, with these people he's walking with, he's beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and he's now interpreting the scriptures. And they would have had the Old Testament at that time. He's interpreting the scriptures about how all of the, all of the scriptures 
concern Jesus Christ. And that's really the point. The entire point of the entire Old Testament is it points to Jesus Christ. And Jesus affirms that when he teaches these guys as he's walking on the road. What about the Gospels? The Gospels are what's next. So I'm going to flip through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And I'm going to hold the Gospels in, in my hand. I would encourage you to do that. So i got the Old Testament here. i got the Gospels here. Well, in John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. So what Jesus is affirming about his life and ministry, which is what the Gospels represent, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is saying, everything I've done, I learned from the Father. The Father God instructed me, and now I've done everything the Father has asked me to do. What about post-resurrection. So I'm adding the Old Testament and the Gospels. I'm now adding those. Now I get to the book of Acts. What about post-resurrection? Well, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. So even after his resurrection, Jesus is now teaching. And he's teaching and giving commands to his apostles, and he's teaching and giving commands through his apostles. And so now we look at the entire book of Acts, which is what that is about. It is the apostles now doing the ministry that Jesus has commanded them to do, that Jesus is working through them. So now I hold the book of Acts, and I'm adding that to the Old Testament and to the Gospels, and now I'm holding all of that here. Well, what about the apostles? The apostles were brought up. Well, in John chapter 14, verses 25 through 26, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus has told them ahead of time, I'm going to work through you. I'm going to work through you, and the Holy Spirit's going to work through you, and you're going to know what I'm going to teach you because the Holy Spirit is going to remind you in that moment. So we get to these, these other letters that the apostles have written. The first one is Romans. So it, you know, it caused us to ask, well, what about Paul? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 37, Paul says this, If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. So Paul says, all these letters that he's now written, as we flip through the epistles, they are all a command of the Lord that Paul has now given, that Christ gave Paul, and Paul has now given through all these letters. So now we take all of these letters from Paul, we're adding it to the Old Testament, the Gospels, Acts, and we got that, boom, right there. We'll continue our Bible study. What about Peter? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Peter says this, Now this is the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, and both of them I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So now we go, okay, we've got, man, all of the apostles who wrote here, and we're going to add all of that. Wow. So now we've got this we're going to add, and we've got all of this being confirmed that it's the word of God. What about the apostle John? He's the last one to write with his three letters and then the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the thing that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that we saw. So then you take the three letters of John and you add all of Revelation, and what do you have? 
You have all of God's word confirmed by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles. It's the word of God. It's why Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27, therefore I test to you, testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, which is why at Big Valley Grace Community Church, we do not want to shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Word of God, which is why it is critical that we have unity in the authority of the scripture, which is exactly what we're looking at right now. I grew up in a family that prioritized the word of God. And so we asked Pops to put together a video because he does something fun with the 66 books. We know him as Pops. You might know him as Pastor Allen. I don't call him Pastor Allen. I call him Pops, okay? My kids call him Grandpa. And so check out this video. My name is Alan Boone. I'm pastor of Serve here at Big Valley Grace. And uh, one of my grandkids uh, asked me to see if I could actually uh, quote um, all the Old Testament books of the Bible in one breath. So here goes. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nehemiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and uh, New Testament books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelations. So uh, I was challenged by a farmer down in Madeira to um, actually read through the Bible on my own, on my honor, along with a, a number of other kids when I was nine years old. And I started doing that process and uh, caught up with my age at about, uh, since I was nine years behind, I caught up with my age at about age 51. Uh, reading uh, more than one time through, and then uh, it just completed a lifetime goal of over 100 times. I'm actually on my 102nd time, and I just finished uh, Esther this morning. Hmm. Reading the Bible 102 times through, what do you think that does to a person's life? That they read the Bible 102 times, all 66 books, amazing. The 66 books of the Old and New Testament, that's truth number one. Truth number two, are a complete and final revelation from God. Are a complete and final revelation from God. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is breathed out. It's breathed out by God. That God has breathed out all of scripture. Observe what happens when God speaks. If you go to the first page in your Bible, not the table of contents, not the preface, Genesis 1, that first page, it says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And what happens? And there was light. There was not light. And God said, let there be light. And now there is light. When God speaks, creation happens. 
That's how powerful the word of God is, where there is a complete absence of light. God speaks, and light is now present. God has spoken. He has spoken through his word in the Old and New Testament. The writer of Hebrews, he summarizes the ways in which God has spoken in in this, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. He says, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And all of the speaking that God has done, that God wants us to have record of, we have in the Bible. There's a completeness and a finality to God's word. At the end of the book of Revelation, In chapter 22, verse 18 through 21, it says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in his book, in this book. That sounds horrible. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Also, that sounds horrible. Adding to the word of God, taken away from the word of God. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. What does that mean? That means if you have a Bible, you don't need a pair of scissors and you don't need a glue stick. If you have a Bible, you don't need a pair of scissors and you don't need a glue stick. There's no reason to cut a page out of your Bible because you didn't like what it says. And there's no read to take a glue stick and add in more words because you thought something was missing. If you have a Bible, you don't need a pair of scissors and you don't need a glue stick. Now, as you read your Bible, you might have questions. That's normal. It's normal to have questions when you read your Bible. And as you read your Bible, especially when you think about things like you read in the book of Revelation, you might have a lot of questions. Maybe you've never read the book of Revelation. I'd encourage you to read the book of Revelation. Just don't read it before bedtime. (laughs) This last couple weeks, I interviewed Pastor Gordon about signs of the end times. And I would encourage you, if maybe you have some questions about that, you can go online to the YouTube channel we set up, just search my name, Joel Boone, and you'll see the interview that I did with Pastor Gordon about signs of the end times. And maybe that would be a great equipping for you in learning about some of the things that we read about the end times. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So the word of God, the prophetic word of God, we have it more fully confirmed confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And that's exactly what the word of God is when it interacts in every environment. The word of God is bright light shining into the darkness. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And when the word of God comes into our life, it absolutely changes us. It transforms us. Truth number two, we have a complete and final revelation from God. Truth number three, without error in the original autographs. Without error in the original autographs. 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 22. 
Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So people on their own did not decide to write the Word of God. That is not how the Word of God came to be. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God did the work to instruct the authors, the writers who wrote down the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God led that process so that people now are speaking on behalf of God. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So the Holy Spirit, it really affirms and confirms that there is accurate teaching from Jesus, from the Father. In John 16, 13 and through 15, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, Jesus's, and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who has done the work to ensure that the word of God has been communicated, has been written down, has been preserved. The Holy Spirit is the security system. Additionally, proof that we have the perfect word of God is how effective the word of God is in our lives when the word of God comes in to our lives. In Psalm 19, seven through 11, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. The word of God transforms our lives. The perfect word of God also protects us Psalm 18, verse 30. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 30, verses five and six. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Amazing. The word of God without error. Perfect, perfect, perfectly distributed, confirmed, authenticated, preserved by the security system of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there might be questions that you have. Well, what about original manuscripts? What about the copying of manuscripts? Well, what about the trustworthiness of our English Bibles? You may have questions about those things, and those are good questions to have. Those are good questions to have. What I want to do is I want to share with you a resource that I've found to be helpful. My Greek teacher in college, his name is William Mounts, and he has written a book, and the book is simply called Why I Trust the Bible. Why I Trust the Bible. Answers to real questions and doubts people have about the Bible. And this is a very straightforward, 
approach to answering many, many common questions people have about how the Bible was compiled over time in history and the specific questions that arise about manuscripts and things like that. And I would encourage you to take advantage of this resource. Am, you know, do we see everything the same? No, we're not clones. But I found this resource to be very helpful. It's very straightforward. And he has credentials. He served on the team that compiled the English Standard Version, the Bible I'm holding in my hands right now. And so he has credentials. And I just encourage you, I found him to be a very helpful teacher to me in my studies. And maybe you would find that book to be of resource to you. Truth number four, and sufficient in themselves, and sufficient in themselves, that the word of God, the scriptures, are sufficient in themselves, these 66 books. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says that the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God, the child of God, the, the person who is living to accomplish what God wants accomplished in their life, that person, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Now, when you read your Bible, you might get to places and go, help, I'm stuck. And I would encourage you with this. God's different than you. He's different than us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. A couple pastors, Pastor James Bryant and Pastor Mac Brunson, I read a book a couple weeks ago and they had a great quote. They said, it is better to walk in darkness with your hand in his hand than to walk in light all alone. You might not understand things as you read the scriptures, but do you understand the person who holds you? Do you understand the God who loves you? And as you read things, though they're difficult, to know that God's gonna walk you through even things you don't understand that you're safe in his arms. God doesn't promise that he's gonna answer all of your questions. That's not the promise God has made to you. He's, he's promised to redeem your life, not that he's gonna answer all of your questions. One of my professors in college, Bill Thrasher, he, he, he had a great quote. He said, God's will is exactly what you could desire if you knew all the facts. But the problem is we don't know all the facts. We don't have all the information. But if we had all the information, we'd want exactly what God's will is. You know, we try to figure out God because it gives us a sense of control, that if we can figure God out, we can control him. But we don't need to control God, we need to trust him. John 14, one, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. I would give this example. We meet with the teaching team every week. And the purpose we meet with the teaching team every week is because I desire to have great unity across our teaching team as we're teaching across our campuses. And one of the things that I pray in our teaching team meeting all the time is God, thank you that we have the word of God and thank you that we have the spirit of God. And if we have the word of God and we have the spirit of God, we have everything we need. And Lord, if we didn't have your word and we didn't have your spirit, we would have no reason to meet. There would be no purpose for a teaching team 
if we did not have the word of God and we did not have the spirit of God. But because we have the word of God and we have the spirit of God, we have everything we need. And you may look at a verse like this and go, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I have what I need. And I want you to know, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has redeemed your life. He has placed the Holy Spirit of God in you and you have your Bible. And if you have the word of God and you have the spirit of God, God will use his word and his spirit to equip you for everything he's gonna ask you to do. No matter how scary and how big it looks and seems to you, whatever God has called you to do, he will get the job done and he has given you his word and his spirit so that you have everything that you need. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Our memory verse from the Believe Journals from week one is 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And you might have some questions. You might say, well, I'd like to know what the whole Bible teaches about a certain subject. And that kind of question is categorized as a systematic theology question. What does the whole Bible teach about a, a given subject? And so I wanna share with you another resource. This is a resource I've used for a very long time. I found it to be very helpful for myself and very helpful when working with others. And it's called Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem, who was my theology teacher in college. Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. And what it does is it asks the question, what does the Bible teach about any given subject? And it takes the major subjects, the major topics, and it organizes all of the passages in scripture that talk about that subject in a systematic way, which is why it's called systematic theology. And you might find that a resource like that is very helpful to you. Truth number five, as our only rule of faith and practice, as our only rule of faith and practice. So these 66 books, Right, The 66 books of the Old and New Testament are a complete and final revelation from God without error in the original autographs and sufficient in themselves as our only rule of faith and practice. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God. And after God breathes out all of scripture, what's it good for? It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We're gonna look at all four of those things. The Bible is profitable. Scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So, the Bible is profitable for teaching. What is teaching? Well, teaching is the revelation from God about Jesus unto salvation. And the Bible is profitable to teach you how to have redemption in Jesus Christ. How to live redeemed in Jesus Christ. The Bible's profitable for reproof. That's not a word we use a lot. What does reproof mean? Well, it means to set right, to set right. Namely, to point us away from sin and point us to repentance. It implies educative discipline that God instructs. This is the scripture in relation to the hearer, the scripture in relation to our lives. The scripture reproofs us. And all scripture is profitable to reproof you, to reproof me, to set you right, to set me right, to point you away from sin and towards repentance, to point me away from sin and towards repentance. The word of God does the work, and the Bible is profitable 
for reproof. And there's an order here, teaching, reproof, and after someone has experienced reproof, then they need to experience correction. And correction is now the convicted sinner who is being, you know, receives the restoration in the word of God. There's teaching, there's reproof, and now there's correction, and the correction has the heart of it of restoration. And then the last one is training in righteousness, and this is the ongoing sanctification that we have in Christ, being made into the image of Jesus Christ. Do you see how active the scriptures are towards you? Look at what the scriptures do towards you. They teach, they reprove, they correct, they train in righteousness. Do you see it? Do you see how active the scriptures are towards you? How active are you towards the scriptures? How active are you towards the scriptures? And, and you know what, I want you to know, we're here to help you. It's why we're going through all of the hard work that's happened to go through this series, to be in groups together, to use the journal, to look at our statement of faith. We are here to help you. In fact, we got a great conference coming up with Sean McDowell. And this is a conference called Building a Spiritual Legacy, looking at how the word of God can be in our families, in our lives, in our homes. One night, or one of the sessions on October 7th is gonna focus on adults. And then on October 8th, it's gonna focus on students. This is gonna be a great equipping moment for our church family, and I would encourage you to put it on your calendar. So, the authority of the Bible, that's number one, the authority of the Bible. What I'd like to do is I'd like for us to stand, and I'd like to say this statement out loud together. The authority of the Bible. We're gonna read this statement out loud together. Starting with we believe. Here we go. We believe the 66 books of Old and New Testaments are a complete and final revelation from God without error in the original autographs and sufficient in themselves as our only rule of faith and practice. I wanna remind you about the goals for this series. It's twofold. The first is that we would increase dialogue about these essential statements of our faith in Jesus Christ. And the second is, as we increase dialogue, as we talk about the truth, we would increase unity as a local body of believers in Jesus Christ. Increasing dialogue, talking about the truth, and increasing unity around the truth of the word of God. These Believe journals are available. You can pre-order one. If you didn't get one, we are ordering more. You can download it for free online. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna continue in remembering the Lord in communion. Father God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship Jesus Christ. That is the point of why we came. That by us gathering together, Christ would be worshiped. And so, Lord... We worship you. We worship you. And we are so thankful for the word of God. And God, would you instruct us by your word and would you grow us up by your word that we might be equipped for everything you have for us to do, that we might be the people, the individuals, and the church family that you want us to be. And so we're asking for your help. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's family said, amen. amen.